Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Romance Weddings and Honeymoons Expo. Boost your earning potential, win prizes, and more during the Romance Weddings and Honeymoons Expo taking place this week, September 13th and 14th from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Head over to virtualtravelevents.com to sign up. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, September 12th. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone, and happy National Hug and High Five Day. So here's a virtual hug and high five from me to you. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you taking time to listen to me and fellow guests talk about travel. It's it's fun, right? Travel's fun. So if you have enjoyed the show, if you've ever listened before, if you could, I would greatly appreciate it if you would just leave a little review over on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. I would greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach out the email podcast at travelpulse.com, or you can hit us up on the hotline for the show and leave a message. 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. And now joining me on the show is Marissa Costa, owner of Amico. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hey, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. Um, My organization is called Amico. We are a social network for the modern travel advisor. And I'm also a luxury travel advisor um, myself. I've spent the past almost 13 years working in this industry, training new talent and um, helping uh, my clients have wonderful trips. Love that. Yes. And wonderful trips coming up this fall season as Marissa and I are going to discuss the fall travel outlook and what's trending this time of year. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with destination news and talking about travel in times of tragedy. As a deadly earthquake struck Morocco last week, uh, hotels are, are helping in the relief efforts there and um, some were unscathed and everything. But you know, this comes uh, and now it's a month after the Maui fires, too. We have a reopen date for West Maui towns. So West Maui towns, uh, Sunday, October 8th. So my colleagues at Travel Age West and Travel Weekly were just there and they did reports on, you know, they're on the ground reporting and said that they really need tourism now. And um, Marissa, I just want to get your thoughts as a travel advisor here on travel to Morocco and Maui right now and how to responsibly bring tourism back to places after tragedy. I think obviously that's, you know, a huge issue that we're we're dealing with right now is, you know, we want to support the people on the ground. We want to be able to, you know, especially places like like Morocco, where where so much of the economy is based on tourism. Um, I think the issue is or the, the way to handle it is to talk to DMCs, talk to tourism boards, talk to people on the ground and find out when that timeline is. So, for example, I don't know that I want to be sending people to Morocco tomorrow. It's been just a few days. They need time. They, you know, um, obviously certain areas of the country are totally unscathed. So it depends on where you're looking to go. Um, But I I think it's about figuring out when the the right time is to to bring people back. So, you know, I have clients that were actually looking to arrive this Friday um, in Morocco. And we were, it was, it was very last minute planning and I had kind of been pushing them to postpone it anyway. Um, so we're now looking in November and their concerns is, you know, is still, they understand that it's helpful to bring people back and, and that, you know, Moroccans will be relying on them to return for, you know, their livelihood. Um, but they're also concerned about the morale of the, of the country and, you know, the facilities that will be available for them. So, 
Um, you know, I work with a great DMC who sent me a, a wonderful update that their team is safe, you know, the important things first and foremost, but then also which areas were affected, which were not, um, you know, any hotels that might be an issue, what tourist sites might have been affected. So it's important to think about, you know, what the guest's um, intention is in going to, you know, a destination, what they're looking to see to make sure that they won't be disappointed, that they're not missing, you know, um, a big site or, you know, something that was very important to them. But also, obviously, most important are the people there ready to have you, you know, would they, are, are the, you know, are the facilities going to be able to accommodate you? So, you know, as with Maui, it's it's been, you said a month now? I've lost all, yeah. all yeah. concept yeah. of time <laughs> since COVID. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a month. They're saying, hey, we want visitors. You know, there's certain areas that are off limits as opposed to others that are open for business. So, you know, talk to people on the ground, talk to the people whose job it is to, to get, you know, those, those hotel beds filled, but also, as I said, the tourism boards, the DMCs who know what's going on in different areas and find out when it's responsible to bring people back when, you know, they're ready to have um, guests return um, and just being conscious of the fact that even if they are ready, it might take longer to get a proposal or, you know, to, to get a, an answer that you're looking for because they might still be dealing with other issues. Yeah. Very well said. And I think that's also key is a, a great point in working with a travel advisor for any consumers, listeners out there that have, you know, trips on that or, or when tragedy does strike and your vacation is impacted. It's, it's very important to have an advisor there that can help navigate and guide you through all of that in any sort of situations on that front. So in other travel news trending in the last week, we touch on Disney's big news as they dropped a bunch of major announcements over the weekend on their special D23 presentations conference thing. A ton of news. The biggest ones will start with Epcot. Journey of Water, inspired by Moana, will open on October 16th. World Celebration, Epcot's final new neighborhood to be completed, will officially open to guests in December 2023, and Epcot will also reimagine the Test Track ride. No timetable was given there. Over in Animal Kingdom, they're going to reimagine Dino Land USA. The new land here will draw inspiration from the Tropical Americas region, encompassing the northern part of South America up to Central America. Disney Imagineers are considering elements from Encanto and Indiana Jones for the new land. Interesting there. And over in Magic Kingdom, they said that it's going to be receiving the biggest expansion ever. It's in the works beyond Big Thunder Mountain area at Magic Kingdom Park. Their uh, chief creative officer, Bruce Vaughn, at Walt Disney Imagineering called the plans, quote, the biggest thing we've done in Magic Kingdom, probably even bigger than New Fantasyland, end quote. Vaughn said that the expansion will be at scale comparable to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and Pandora, the world of Avatar, and will include new attraction shows and restaurants. So that uh, is a lot to ponder there for any Disney fanatics out there. I'd love to get your thoughts on those podcasts at travelpulse.com is the email to reach out. And then Dinsey also dropped some cruise line news. Their seventh ship will set sail from Singapore in 2025, and it'll be called the Disney Adventure. And they also have Disney Lookout K at Lighthouse Point will be the official name for Disney Cruise Line's new island destination in the Bahamas. Marissa, that's a ton of Disney news right there, uh, which some of our listeners are going to be pumped about. And others like yourself say no thanks to the theme park. So I have to ask here, what is your theme park then? Um, okay, so it's it's not so much that I'm anti-theme park. Um, it's just I find Disney and things like that to be 
a whole specialty in and of itself. Um, you know, yeah. we were just a future leaders with a lot of advisors there that have made their bread and butter selling Disney and booking Disney. And I have just, that is not my area of expertise. I go to those wonderful people to help me out when my clients still want to work with me and I have to do something Disney. Um, I think I, I fortunately or unfortunately went way too many times as a kid um, and just have had my fill. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly exciting. I mean, I did spend enough time in the Magic Kingdom as a kid, as I said, and it just every time, you know, you hear about an, a development like this, it's just bigger and better. But um, yeah, I will be deferring to my fellow advisors for any future bookings. Which is fine. Yeah, there's a lot of people who, who start off with Disney and then branch out to others and have, are coming to you for help on, you know, the luxury side of things. So that's, you know, peer to peer relationships. They're always great for the industry to, to be able to connect with other advisors. And yeah, a lot of people are big Disney fanatics. And I'm, I'm wondering which, you know, movies they'll pull from for whatever they do in Magic Kingdom. I think that's probably the most appealing news out of there on that. But uh, moving along to other travel news that's been going around. And last week, um, the high-speed rail in the U.S. has hit a, a bit of a snag, a bit of a setback here. The highly anticipated bullet train in the Northeast Corridor from Boston to New York to Washington, which is the like the busiest train route in the country, uh, has hit an issue. The 450-mile route does not have enough modern tracks that can handle the speed. The corridor needs billions of dollars for basic improvements to accommodate high-speed service. Marissa, your thoughts here? Do you think the U.S. will ever get close to the level of rail offered in Europe and Asia? Uh, you know, I hope so. I um, I lived in Spain for several years and, you know, the train was just everything. It was, you know, obviously the country is smaller and it was easier to get from one side to another. But, I mean, living in Madrid, I could get anywhere I needed to in just a couple of hours. Um, so, you know, it without having to go through airport security, without having to deal with lost luggage delays, all the things that we're dealing with, with, you know, such a, such a busy time for air travel, it would be really, really nice, especially for these, you know, um, routes like from New York to Boston that really don't need to be a flight. Um, will we ever get to that point? I don't know. Um, you know, I'd love to see it happen. But unfortunately, you get to things like this where the rail line isn't isn't uh, able to accommodate. And I don't know. Um, I can just say I'm really hopeful because it's necessary. I agree with you 100% there. I'm really hopeful. I really want this. There's talks of I live in the South. So there's talks of trains, you know, going through Atlanta and cutting through and get me to Nashville sooner. And, you know, I, I would love I love trains. So I would I would be welcoming to any and all, you know, high speed rail that we can get, you know, to better the travel experience, uh, maybe free up some of the highways too, for people that do like to drive a little bit, but yeah, it'll take, uh, it'll take some time and clearly it's going to take billions of dollars and whether or not we ever get there is, uh, I'm going to lean towards the no on that, unfortunately, but I would, I would love to be wrong on that and have it be a thing. Maybe when, you know, I'm a grandpa and that age, maybe, but maybe drastic changes have to happen in order to get there. But uh, we shall see. Uh, but speaking of Europe, we've got to segue over there in another destination news. A popular destination in Europe is cracking down on the short-term rentals. Florence, Italy wants to outlaw new short-term rentals like Airbnb and VRBO or Verbo or whatever they're called. But Marissa, as a travel advisor, what are your thoughts on this and Airbnb short-term rentals and stuff? Well, it's funny. It's There's, there's two things. Listen, I, I get the appeal of Airbnb. I, I can say that I, I have done it on a very 
very few rare occasions. Um, as an advisor, though, it's a big pain point for me. Um, you know, obviously, just aside from what's going on in Florence, just the, the concept of people wanting you to book one or asking you about Airbnbs that you can't, you know, qualify is just, you know, you hear Airbnb and your hair kind of stands up a little bit. Um, but then beside, aside from just the booking it as a New Yorker, as someone who had a really great apartment on 59th street, um, that I loved and we ended up getting pushed out because our landlord had an apartment below us, started Airbnb it, realized he could make a ton more money for that, um, doing it that way. And we got pushed out of our apartment. So, you know, taking off my travel agent hat and just thinking of, you know, a local living in a city, it's extremely frustrating, you know, when people are making a business out of what is ultimately where people just need to live. And obviously I'm a business owner, like I understand, um, but there's still just a thorn in my side um, for people in places where they, they can't afford to live where they've grown up, you know, in, in where they work um, because people are coming in and trying to rent these short term uh, apartments yeah. to tourists. So I'm not, I, I, I'm happy to see things like this, you know, Florence and those small streets and, you know, the very intimate nature, you know, the idea of having, you know, it be all tourists, you know, and, and no Florentines is just, it, it's sad, but you know, it's another way that the world is going. So I, I like seeing things like this. I think it's better um, for, for the experience of being in a city where you're with the local people um, because they can live and, and work there the same way they've been um, for years. So, yeah, I, I applaud I applaud legislation like that. Yeah, and there's something to be said too when there's you know such a big trend around you know travel like a local and experience things like a local, and it's like well tourism can't push out the locals if you want to do that, right? So you got to have things like this in place for the historic spots. And New York City is also cracking down on short-term rentals too. And honestly, there, there was actually new data released today from. Uh, insights company called key data and that the short-term rentals uh, took a drop this summer and the, the rental market saw a summer slowdown experiencing 17 percent decline in revenue per available rental and similar signs of a dip could be seen in europe and the uk and really globally it says uh, for stays throughout june july and august but the u.s just saw a sharper decline and was also the only country to see average daily rates fall too so perhaps a drop-off in the short-term rental space there but yeah, you can't push out can't push out locals. So any and all legislation that is for that, I am for it as well. That pretty much wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. Uh, obviously, a lot to touch on in the world of travel that we didn't get to. So head over to travelpulse.com for all your travel news needs. And you can reach out to me with podcast at travelpulse.com. So now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week, and that's around fall travel. And Marissa jump right to it. How busy do you think this fall travel is going to be? You know, some have been projecting that, you know, this is going to be a crowded shoulder season. You won't really actually be able to call it a shoulder season because it won't feel like that, but what do get your thoughts there? Um, 110%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is not feeling like shoulder system, uh, system season rather. Um, I have had countless advisor friends, uh, echo my sentiments, which is, why has this August been this busy? Why has the first two weeks of September been this busy? Um, because it's just that there is no slowdown in terms of the new requests coming in. And people overwhelmingly, the, the trend that I hate the most, um, is people are leaving things for the last minute. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of requests coming in now, like this week, asking about October, you know, because they might have been told this summer is too busy. You know, you're, there's no chance of getting space in Italy, you know, in the typical June, July, August. So they think October, but because they missed that peak of summertime, they think that they're spot on and they can have whatever they want for shoulder season. And then it's like, no, no, that's full too. Um, you know, places that I, I, I'm headed to Italy next month on a fam trip. And it was supposed to be early in October because by then they were expecting it to be slower. Um, and it, the eventual dates ended up pushing back toward the end of the month because they couldn't accommodate agents because they were full in a time that is usually their last two weeks before closing for the season. Um, so even, you know, even the, the shoulder season destinations that are more beach properties, you know, and places that are, people are looking for, for warmer weather, even those places where it's getting a little cool on the seaside, they're even busy. Um, I think obviously it depends on the destination. Um, but you know, Europe hasn't seemed to slow down Italy in particular. Um, you know, and as I said, with people booking last minute, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of not knowing exactly, you know, where someone is going to end up or if it's going to be this destination or that destination, because they might come to you saying, well, we heard it shoulder season and you're responding. The rates are just as high. I mean, I just did, I have this with, again, with Morocco, um, that guest that I was going to have arrived this week. Um, you know, they are like, well, November is supposed to be cooler. You know, let's go to November. So the prices will be better. My DMC is like, listen, the beds are full. They're, they're, they're not better. You know, yes, it's going to be colder then, but, um, you know, we're not, you're not going to get better rates by then. Um, so it's something that we're dealing with all around is listen, you know, we, we went through years of no travel and of, you know, empty beds at hotels and people needing to, you know, pick up the, and make up for the, the money that was lost at that time. And you're seeing it in terms of, you know, rates and you're seeing it, you're seeing people traveling to make up for the time they weren't able to go away. So this whole year has been insanely busy. Um, and I, I don't see it slowing down. Yeah. People traveling more, more than just once too in the year yeah. and packing on things. And there's other people who, like you said, you know, didn't wait, uh, didn't want to go in the summer. So they decided to wait and to go in the fall and they've already booked. So they're set. So the last minute pitches here are few and far between. And yeah, it's going to be busy and going to be packed. And part of that's, you know, pricing on things and airfares dropping a little bit, uh, according to the travel app Hopper. And they said domestic airfare for the fall is down 29% from the summer. And they said, quote, you want to book your Christmas and Thanksgiving travel by mid-October, but expect that prices will be the lowest between September 15th and October 15th. So your thoughts on that, on booking windows, pricing, or any other fall well, trends? So, yeah, well, two things. Well, one, that that you know, um, I don't know what the actual stats are for international airfare, um, which is a lot of what I do, but you know, we're not, I'm not seeing great airfare deals in terms of international. Um, obviously it depends cities. Is it a business route? I don't know. I don't have the stats here. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not seeing that we're getting, you know, any benefit to waiting. I have clients that go to the Ritz Carlton Aruba every year for Christmas for the past 10 years maybe and they finally reached out and it's sold out they can't they want a certain suite every year they can't even get a room nothing it's entirely sold out so you know any 
telling people the book by September, October yeah. is, is late. It should have been booked a long time ago. And festive is always busy, but you know, yeah. on top of just everything else that we've been dealing with, um, this year is just insane. Yeah. And I think that data was a bit more skewed to domestic, but I think in general of all travel, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're haven't booked it yet, like, I don't know that waiting for another three days to fall in that window of, you know, the 15th of September to the 15th of October is going to be any sort of sweet spot, you know, you, you should have booked months ago on that. 100%. And I think something that, that people don't realize, especially when they're coming to an advisor, um, you know, is coming to us last minute. I don't want to say we're not going to do a good job, but we can't do as good of a job as we could if you didn't pressure us. You know, um, if, if you have clients and they want to leave in two weeks, you're rushing to get a proposal out, you're looking into options, you're not maybe thinking, of every single option in the world that you could offer them. Instead, you're not thinking, well, hey, since we've got six months, could you go five months earlier instead of, you know, six months from now um, and do this destination because it might be a better fit for you. You know, when someone comes to you and they want to go somewhere in two weeks, you have to focus on that destination. You have to make it happen. You have to find what rooms might be available, even though places could be sold out. Um, So I just, I don't think, you know, I don't think putting stress on the advisor um, you know, is going to benefit them in any way. Um, and you know, when clients come to you with plenty of time to plan, you really, it's, it's, the world is an open book for you. You know, you can think of all the places to send them all the, you know, and you can look at different date ranges in case it's high season in case the hotel they want is sold out. Um, so I really, you know, any, anyone who's a client working with a travel advisor listening to this, I would really, really encourage you to give your advisor time to think about it, to explore all the options. Um, because when you come to them last minute, you know, we're, we're basically subject to whatever is available in that time frame. Yeah, you really limit yourself by, you know, focusing on the last minute aspect of thing where, you know, maybe pre-COVID you, you could do that and maybe get a little bit better of a price. But post-COVID here, it's not really the play because availability is just so few and far between, uh, especially depending on where it is you want to go, which a lot of people have, you know, those bucket list destinations on where they want to go and what they want to do. So great insights there. And as we talk about, you know, fall travel, we've got to talk about the leaf peeping, the pumpkin patches, all that good stuff. Uh, which destinations for you uh, stand out for, for any of those seeking those true fall colors? Um, you know, you'll get a lot of, you'll get a lot of Northeast. Um, I'll I'll be honest, I do primarily international. Um, so it's funny when people are coming to me about fall travel, it's usually like, oh, we want to get out, you know, and go to Cabo and be in the sunshine because summer is ending and we don't like it. Um, but there's fabulous destinations, you know, in Massachusetts, in, in Virginia, lots of, lots of luxury properties that are, you know, more country driven, have a little fireplace, you know, drink your, drink your, your wine on your terrace overlooking the trees. Um, so there's, there's a lot of amazing properties out there, but I, I can't say that I get a lot of the leaf peepers as my own clients. Fair enough on that. We've had, um, the fall foliage forecast. You can check that out on travelpulse.com. It's when and where to catch the most vivid colors this autumn using uh, predictions from AccuWeather. They said that New England, the upper Midwest, and the Rocky Mountains will offer peak leaf colors from late September through early October. And then by mid-October, leaf colors will reach their peak and across most of the Northeast in the Appalachians, Ohio Valley, and Midwest. The second half of October is also when most of the West Coast for like Washington, Oregon, California is going to have their, you know, 
vibrant leaf colors out there. And then in the center of the country, parts of the mid-Atlantic coast and across the Gulf Coast, the most vibrant fall foliage will appear up until late October and the first few weeks of November, which is, you know, few and far between and some of those, you know, more coastal areas on that. But that's why people get away and, and go to those. I have a family trip coming up to Michigan in uh, October, the first weekend of October. Very excited about that for some peak fall foliage as I am one to love all the different colors of fall and just driving around. Something about the cool crisp air. Fall is probably like one of my favorite seasons. So I'm one of those people that would travel to the the leaf peep stuff out there. But I know a lot of your clients are traveling elsewhere. So beyond these fall color travel destinations, you touched a little bit, you know, Italy's popping. You said you got people going to Cabo. What other destinations are hot this fall? Where are people escaping to? Um, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, September, October is not a big Caribbean time in general due to, um, you know, hurricane yeah. season, but it's still extremely popular. Um, you know, people are, people are going and, you know, seeing what, you know, if hopefully hoping the weather's going to work out yeah. and they're not going to have flight delays, but it's still just as popular as ever. Um, some more, um, you know, easier, uh, or domestic trips that I do uh, work on, you'll get things like, you know, coastal California, um, people wanting to go wine tasting and, you know, sit maybe a little further South, um, you know, at, at a nice beach resort. Um, even if the weather isn't, uh, and you know, we said the same thing with the Caribbean, uh, and with, um, shoulder season in Italy, even if it's not beach weather, um, people are going to these destinations, just getting a little bit of the sea air, you know, and the beautiful settings, um, all over Europe in honestly, not just the busy places like, um, like Italy that we talked about, um, Scandinavia, it's a big one. Now, um, people are looking for not as hot temperatures, um, and also some different destinations. So I've had, um, more requests recently than I probably ever had for the Nordics. Um, you know, uh, Copenhagen now, uh, you know, it's always been a cool city, but it's definitely, I think getting on more people's radar now. Um, same thing with Stockholm. Um, so, you know, there are places that, um, you know, are not necessarily, like I said, they're not, these months are not necessarily when people are looking to go sit by the beach um, but I think people want to be outdoors. They want to enjoy the last bits of, you know, nice temperatures, um, regardless of if it's, you know, a nice crisp fall or, you know, the end of summer. Um, I think people are looking for just, you know, enjoying being outside, enjoying being somewhere where they can get away. Um, but yeah, Europe is just, I mean, all year, uh, it's busy. Um, and the, the other big one for me that, you know, may not be a, a typical advisor's um, bread and butter is I do a lot of Africa. And to me, South Africa is just the easiest um, thing for me to sell. It's a year round destination. You know, again, it's not for last minute. It's not for, um, you know, people who don't have a lot of time, certainly if you're coming yeah. from the U.S. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a beautiful time to be there. Um and I, yeah, I, I've been working on quite a few safaris for the rest of this year as of now. Jealous. Yes. I would love to be on one of those safaris there. So you have, so we, we know fall is going to be busy now that you said, and holiday travel is always busy. So it's going to be a continued theme from summer of, you know, pack your patience folks out there. But as we wrap up here, what's your advice for our fellow travel advisor listeners to maximize their fall season? I would say expand your horizons. Um, 
just because, I mean, even, look, even myself, like if I know a destination, you know, or a product really well, it's easier for me to sell it. Um, but I think thinking outside the box and, and thinking of properties and destinations that you might not sell a lot will actually um, benefit you in the long run. Um, your go-tos, um, you know, your favorite, you know, the, the one property on Turks and Caicos that you try to send all your business to is going to be full. You know, like, so where can you send people instead? You know, is it a different property? Is it a different island? You know, not saying that you can't, you know, still prioritize, you know, what you think is the best. Um, I think you just have to understand that so much of what you may be looking for or what you may, what may be your go-to is not going to be available. Uh, Certainly if you're dealing with the last minute requests that I'm dealing with. Um, And, you know, just learning about other destinations that you could sell because, you know, people, I know a lot of advisors, certainly a lot of the ones that were at at Future Leaders with us just a couple weeks ago, um, do a lot of the same, um, you know, Caribbean, let's say, you know, well, if somebody comes to you and it's the fall and they don't want to go during um, hurricane season, where are you going to send them? You know, do you sell the West Coast of Mexico? You know, do you know Cabo and and Puerto Vallarta? Do you know the differences? You know, like maybe learn a little bit more about that. Can you send people back to Maui because, you know, they're they're hungry for that business now. So really just kind of not not being so focused on your usual destinations and properties and trying to think where you can send people that might not have been your first idea. Great insights on that. Yeah, stepping out of the box and, you know, also, just refocus on education. It's always important in this business, you know, to learn more and educate and expand that knowledge so that you know what to sell. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Marissa, for taking time out of your busy schedule here to jump on and talk all things travel. Really appreciate it. Anything you want to plug here or where can advisors uh, reach out to you or get in touch with you, follow you on the socials, anything you want to plug, fire away. I guess you can follow me. It's Marissa Goes Global at Instagram, on Facebook, on all the things. That's uh, Marissa with one R and one S. Um, and any advisors looking for a really supportive community of other advisors, um, you can check out Amico. That's A-M-I-K-O dot travel. Wonderful. Thanks, Marissa. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Stay tuned for next week. I will be on location in the Dominican Republic. So the episode won't drop on Tuesday due to my schedule, but uh, it will come a little bit later in the week. We'll, we'll see how things go as I venture around Dominican Republic beyond the all-inclusive. So looking forward to that. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. 